Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. Hey, I'm Andrew Horowitz. It's the 26th of December, 2023. Last show. The last no, uh, the last DHM plug show, oh. almost, but not quite. <laughs> last DHM plug show for the entire year of 2023. Yep, and we did it. I think that we, uh, we, we, we did. We, 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 we committed. We did it. People got what they paid for. I mean, really. Uh, and uh, well, that's for sure. <laughs> we did a great job once again. I mean, I don't think there was any shine coming off us at all. I mean, I think we are just as bright and as entertaining and uh, informative as we were on uh, day one. Maybe more so. Maybe. Maybe not. That's at least coming from my opinion. All right. What do we got? Uh, as you said, it is the, let me, let me say to you right in between as we are here, first of all, looking backwards, let me tell you, say Merry Christmas to you and your family. And let me say, looking forward, a happy new year, healthy, prosperous, all that good stuff. Well, I reiterate that. Yeah, there you go. That was easy enough. Ditto. All right, warm up. Dittos. Dittos? Ditos? With all my sincerity, dittos. Yeah, thanks. So we have, uh, what do we got? You, we got did you do, do uh, the uh, the normal uh, Jewish uh, tradition of having Chinese uh, dinner? Of course. On, 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 um, did you have a Christmas tree? We have a, yeah. We uh, have well, a, I, I went to a plastic on- tree years ago and never looked back. Yeah, but you have a Christmas tree. I eat Chinese food on Christmas. Nothing else is open, and I'm not having a Christmas meal at my house, so where am I going? No, the Chinese restaurants are expecting you. Yeah, yeah, it would be a, it would be a terrible. I, th- I always tell people, you want to meet the, the uh, local Jewish community? Go eat some Chinese food on Christmas, and they're all, they'll all be there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they'd be happy. I mean, it's fine. It's, yep. it's a way. It's a nobody cares one yeah. way or the other. So, um, you know, there's some joke about uh, you know the Jewish calendar is like year five thousand two hundred and fifty. Yeah, called, right. Some like that. And, and the and the and the Chinese calendar is like four thousand two hundred and fifty, which means that Jews went out without went without eating Chinese food for a thousand years. What they do? Oh, well, that's an interesting observation. <laughs> you know. I, you know, and I wonder whether they go out and eat Chinese food in France. Why in France? Why are you picking France? What is versus? What? Well, I mean, it's a different Jewish community. It's not American Jews right. by any means. Right. And yeah, that's true. I, I think it's a kind of a uh, American Jews that I think they do it as a. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say it's as a joke. No, it's not a joke. It's it, just it's it's what it is. It's it's it, that there's nothing it is else what open. It is, but they all do it. Well, Everyone I know. And so, uh, but in France, I mean, you know, they, who knows what they do. I also went to a. And you don't apparently know. I have no idea. Up with the, no idea. But I also went to a deli that morning of Christmas morning. I went to a deli and I had a bagel and a schmear. There was a deli open? Yes. I was, I heard about, they were going to be open. I'm like, I'm going. Wherever they are, I'm going. And they had great, a great everything flagel. You ever have a flagel? Was it in Southern Virginia or anyplace? No, it was in South Florida. Yeah. Which is where it should be. All right, let's get on well, to the show. It should have been packed, by the way. It was. It was very busy. It was very, very busy. 
Then I went to a. Then I went to my friend Anita, and Mike's house, and they're from. Uh, she's from Austria, and cooked a dynamite meal with goulash and these roll-up things and all these. This whole. Oh yeah, the Austrians oh, know how to cook. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So it was great. All right, uh, warm up. Uh, where are we? We're in the middle of uh, the Santa Claus Rally Week, which is a low volume, boring market. Most people yeah. are not working, not like you and I, the commitment that we put into this. Yeah, we work. Yeah. And you know what they say about a boring market, right? The phrase? They say it's boring. They say never short a boring market. If the market's not going anywhere, it's kind of not. Actually, I never knew that phrase, but it makes nothing but sense. Yeah. We're, we're the phrase kings, aren't we? <laughs> we got them all. Yeah. Totally. Never short a boring market. So there you go. China is testing some market-moving ideas on the gaming, in the gaming area. Really plunked a lot of names last week, last Friday to be exact. They came out with some new ways of watching how much people are playing games and limiting how much money you can spend as adults and what you can see as kids. And the gaming stocks went just absolutely down. One of the biggest stocks on the Chinese markets is Tencent. That was down like 14%. Uh, NetEase was down 25%. And now, by the way, uh, news alert, just moments ago, China said, you know, maybe we'll look at those rules a little cl closer to see that they're really, you know, correct. And we haven't implemented them yet. We'll listen to everybody's commentary. Stocks rebounded. NetEase is up 14% overnight in China. And uh, Tencent's up 3 4 5%. They rebounded yesterday as well. So you have that. Hmm. New Year's coming. Market is closed on Monday. Be open for a full day. So it's open for a uh, full day, but the bond market closes early the day before Christmas, last Friday. Everything, I believe, is open full day, I believe. That's an interesting question. I think I mean the Friday before Christmas. Friday before Christmas. Friday before New Year's. Everything will be, I believe, open because you got to make sure everybody gets their trades in. Yeah, for the last minute. Mm -hmm. Taxes. Yep. And we got another grab bag. Oh, we have a new phrase that's dusted off. And being used right now again. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, housing prices moving up. The best housing prices in like a year, year, month over month, year over year, which is pretty amazing. Companies are boosting buybacks. It's funny that happens after they sh basically shut down the market for months on end. Yeah, now now the, the, the rates are down 1%. Everybody's hysterical. Yeah, and then the rates go down some. It's still too high. It's still too high. But they're like, oh, my God, it went from... Oh, 8% to 7%. Let's get that house. Everybody's all excited. Very excited. So, uh, companies are boosting buybacks. One company in particular is uh, juicing it. And uh, there we go. So, let's talk about the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. October, S&P Case-Shiller. This is 20 city, the 20 major metropolis cities, metropolis um, around the country. So it was a little bit lighter than consensus. The year-over-year -year price index was up 4.9% versus 5. 4.9%. So. It's a lot, actually. Yeah. 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 So 5%, uh, let's just round it. Can we round it? 5% year-over-year? I don't know. You know, is people are people expecting to make 10% a year on their house? 15%? Or 
or what we had the last four years is was That's probably no, no, they, people 20%. should not expect that. It's ridiculous. Right. The prior reading was 3.9% year over year. So even though we disappointed, we're still accelerating on a year over year basis. You know, it's ridiculous, especially when you consider the leverage aspect of, of a mortgage. It's not like you're all in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it is pretty amazing that the housing market hasn't corrected. Oh, the commercial market corrected, but that was a combination of overbuilding, weak bosses saying that you can work from home when, you know, for. Oh, yeah. Overbuilding, uh, right. Working from home, uh, COVID. Yeah. Because yeah, people, people still have COVID seemingly. And it's. You know, I, I went to, out today to uh, buy something and there was people roaming around with their masks on outside. Outside, not near anybody with masks on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's no way. I was at a wedding. And uh, this gentleman was wearing a mask for the entire service, you know, the, the proceedings. Then we went into the appetizer slash pre-room, and he was wearing his mask. He was sitting at my table, by the way. And he sat down at my table wearing his mask. The food comes. He takes it off. He's eating, doing his thing. And then until the meal was done, the entirety of the meal being served, he kept his mask off, then put it back on. As if that's going to do anything. I think people like that maybe like to smell their own breath. You know, the problem is that it, that rebreathing your exhalant like that, and especially on an N95, which is a big giant cup, the, the air is not passing in and out of that thing as much as you'd like. So you're breathing a lot of, you know, high high degrees of carbon dioxide and nitrogen, low amounts of oxygen. This is not a healthy thing to be breathing. Maybe people get stoned by it or something like that, get lightheaded. The whole thing's weird at this point. At this point. Yeah, check the calendar. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about the uh, grab bag bull phrases that are coming back out. Ready for this one? Yeah. The latest one is... There's cash on the sidelines. Yeah, I heard that today, as a matter of you fact, did, on right? CNBC. You'll, yeah, you'll start hearing it. This is uh, the stock market is set to see significant boost next year, 2024, they're talking about, thanks to a record five, uh, no, excuse me, $6 trillion and a growing cash pile in money market funds, according to Fundstrat. Now, this is an uber bull shop. This is where Tom Lee and all these other guys that just, they just keep on hammering. It doesn't matter what happens. It's It's bullish. Yeah. So the logic is this. If the Federal Reserve starts cutting interest rates next year, this would hold more true as risk-free interest rate and money market funds will also fall. So they're going to cut rates and money markets, short-term debt and uh, short-term treasuries, money markets. They're going to start to move down in, in, in overall interest rates. Oh, they're going to bail from their money market. Uh, everybody's going to be like, money. the hell with this. We're back to Tina again. There is no alternative. And that, that, therefore, holding money market funds is going to be less appealing as compared to putting it in the stock market. Now, if the Fed is actively involved in reducing interest rates, the reason would be probably one of two or both. One, they find the rate currently a little bit restrictive for where they need to be. Two, shit is hitting the fan. Things are going over the edge, and the economy is slowing down precipitously. That being the case, why the hell would you want to be in stocks? 
Because <laughs> they're going up. It's just so amazing how they, they do this. And there's always money on the sidelines. This is always, always, always. And if you're getting a 3 or 4%, people are getting 5 right now, but you get a 3 or 4% rate of return on that, on that risk-free money, it makes it rather appealing on a risk-free free basis. They make it sound like the whole $6 trillion is going to be plopped in the market. So They're wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned about China. Latest, uh, the uh, China approved 105 domestic games on Monday. The latest indication that they're softening their stance after a move to tighten industry restrictions that led to an eight an 80 billion dollar route in market cap valuation last week, just on Friday. I didn't even know this was going on yeah. in China. It's going on. It's going on. All of us are getting ready to eat Chinese food on Monday. We're not thinking about any of this. And in the background, we got this going on. So the titles included op, uh, those operated by Tencent Holdings, NetEase, two leading game publishers in China, and they plummeted. Now on Monday, the, chi the Chinese, the Chinese culture has an issue with gambling and gaming in in particular. And game, and you know, these kinds of games we're talking about are not you know slot machines, but they're a lot of them have insidious ways of being similar. Competitively, uh, financially motivated competitive games. Yeah, that's it. Right. And the Chinese are beside themselves with this. I mean, that's why they've pretty much moved all the gaming for, uh, in the country to to Macau. You want to gamble? Yeah, get on a train. Uh, although you have to assume that there's illegal gambling going on all over the country. The Chinese are nuts about gambling. They love the gamble. I think I went to Macau on a on like a hydrofoil. You know, I'm irked by the fact that I've been to Hong Kong numerous times in China. I was going almost twice a year for a while, and I never managed to find my way to Macau. Still time? Yeah, I can. Yeah, if I you want know, to go. You, to I'll break, you go, I'll go with you. Okay, deal. Just the two of us. We will go to Macau. Let's go. Yeah, we'll have a, it's like, the, it's like one of those movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John and Andrew go to Macau. <laughs> I think it was yeah, Dumb and Dumber was the Macau. one that you were thinking of. But it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think it, well, it would be fun. I think, I'm sure we have uh, people that we can find it in Macau that would show us around too. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to go. Anybody that wants us to go bad enough, let's make it happen. All right. Uh, now, what I told you about was what happened on Monday. And then I told you this, the, 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 the start of the show, how they even come out with even more softening of this. This is on Friday. We're talking about three days ago. So what happened on Friday was Chinese officials announced new draft rules aimed on limiting how much gamers can spend and restrict rewards that encourage them to spend more time online. The announcement was a big surprise. People were like, what, 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 what? So they freaked out, and we had uh, all these gaming companies just get crushed. Billy Billy tanked 14%. NetEase tumbled a record 28%. Tencent was down 16%. These are, that's like Facebook and Google and pick another one that went, that, that, that took those kind of drops. It was, a, yeah. it was a big move. And they, and, and it just shows you how sensitive they are to market movement in a country, a communist country, right? That is trying to make moves that they could make just unilaterally as a government, right? You know, these guys could do whatever they want. Uh, but they care too much about the valuation of things to really make any of that happen. Very yeah, similar to USA. How, 
Yeah, they're they're familiar with the the things that need to happen. To so their market, if they if their market collapsed completely, it, it would not be good for the Chinese, right? Or and, the government, or the officials, or the corruption. Right. Even though they're 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 in there for life, supposedly right now. Fact is that uh, they need to keep up. There's a lot of negative things going on with the housing market, with the financial market, with the whole situation. There, they don't need another implosion of a of an area that's been. And not only that, not only financially, but something something that brings the their constituents, their 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 citizens, their people that live there, a lot of joy. You know, they like to play the games. Yes, they do. So. Consumer sentiment, uh, December consumer confidence clocked in at 110 versus a 104 estimate for December. And the prior was revised only down to 101 from 102. So pretty pretty uh, significant there. And I think we talked about a little bit about that last week. There was another number out. Was it today, Tuesday? Today, Tuesday, that confirmed all that too. Um, but we talked about that some last week. It's been flowing over this week. Consumers, people are pretty pretty happy. However... Um, the, at, at the start of the holiday season, the, 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 the shopping season, starting with Black Friday and all that, we always talk about all these numbers that come in from Adobe and MasterCard and Visa and the, the National Retail Federation about their expectations and predictions that every year it's going to be better than the year before, right? That's always the case. And it's always right. going to be a certain amount above. It's always 4.5% magically. And then when they come back and they review the numbers, it's never quite that much. Well, here we go. MasterCard spending pulse reports sales increased 3.1% year over year during the holiday season from November 1st through December 24th. They did predict it was going to be between 3 and 4% in 2023. That was the National Retail Federation. Now, restaurants are up 7.5%, groceries 2%, apparel 2.5%, best performance. Jewelry was down 2%. Electronics were down 0.4%. Meanwhile, electronics down 0.4%. We'll get to a story about the Apple Watch in a second. Uh, Apple comes out with multiple quarters in a row of lackluster re results. Stock hasn't moved. This does not not move. So, And uh, more importantly... yes. They are going to shutter a store. Oh, that is correct. Where is that? We have to talk about that. Apple. Okay, right there. Let's just get right to it. So they're stopping selling their watch. The Apple Watch Nine. Uh, did by the way, just before the show, they announced that they're going to they're getting a court order to continue to sell the watch until the case is fully decided. Ah, there you go. So, so they want this watch out there. They need to have the watch out there. The Ultra. And the nine are the two best-selling watches. Yeah. So Apple on Tuesday appealed a decision to ban imports of its watches based on a complaint from medical monitoring, te monitoring technology company Massimo. Massimo? After President Joe Biden's administration declined to veto a government tribunal. The word tribunal always makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a, you, you could say anything you want about like a government court or a, uh, you know, uh, tribunal, yeah. tribunal sounds like somebody's going to have their head cut off. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound, it's a bad word. Yeah. Um, it appears that investors thought that the Biden would veto and or appeal and provide favor to Apple because Apple's a, you know, nicey, nicey to, to Joe Biden and all that, right? And uh, stock held up pretty well. I think it was down a 
buck and a half since this announcement. So, so not only do you cripple a major sales area for Apple, on top of the fact that sales are lackluster, on top of the fact that their outlook was questionable, and the stock doesn't move. It just runs up to an all-time high recently. Or close yeah, to. I know. So what happened is um, Massimo has accused Apple of hiring away its employees, stealing its pulse oximity, oximetry technology. It's like the pulse oximeter. Um, and incorporating it into the popular Apple Watch. The U.S. International Trade Commission's order bars imports and sales of Apple Watches that use technology for reading blood oxygen levels. Apple has included the pulse oximeter feature in its smartwatches, starting with its Series 6 model in 2020. So while I don't know what's happening to the other inventory that's like at AT&T shops or online or somewhere else, but Apple pulled it off their shelves and off their online store. Yeah. But again, I guess everybody's thinking that, I guess Apple wouldn't be stupid enough to do something like this that would cause such a problem. They think? would, uh, right. You would assume that they already have this covered, and that's why they're going to try for the, the court order to get back that watch back in business, and uh, and they'll have it covered in the in the case when the case rolls out. I'm surprised they pulled it off the shelves to begin with. Well, I'm surprised if they actually did, but okay. Hmm. Maybe, they're, maybe they're maybe they're trying. Maybe they're trying to create more demand. Like artificial that demand. Could, mm, there you go. What do you think about that? Yeah, now people want to rush out and get this. Well, they've pulled that stunt before. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's beyond Apple's like, abilities to do to do that sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, and then they, again, my concern, because I've been saying this on the show for 10 years, which is when Apple starts closing, closing stores, that might be the time to short. Yeah. Well, that's something that's happening. Well, they show, they closed the, I don't know why they, of all the stores to close, it makes no sense they closed this one. I've been to this store. They have a lot of stuff going on. There's more than just a, it's just, it's, it's a lot more than uh, just Apple stuff. There's also merchandise. It's not like a normal Apple store. This is a bigger store. It's got all kinds of clothing. So you could doll yourself up at this store. Oh. And it's just an and it's a really dynamite store. It's it's I would say it's the best Apple store. They're the best of the Apple stores. I maybe mean, I haven't seen the the big one in New York, but it's uh, at least on the West Coast. And uh, I don't know. What's, They're closing. What's the, the store will close on for good on January twentieth, and invites customers uh-huh. to visit the nearby Apple Park Visitor Center and other locations instead. This is second Apple store closure to be announced in the last several weeks. Apple has also recently announced its Apple Royal Hawaiian retail store in Honolulu will permanently close on January 20th as well. Both stores closing on January 20th. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, that's not a good sign. Are you uh, thinking about uh, doing the the, the, the often uh, destructive and never never winning short on Apple? Well, I can't do it now because it's the it's the boring market. Right, that is correct. Boring market. Wait till 2024. I'll wait. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a really good idea, actually. Uh, big announcement in China on a new car, Neo, which is the, we're going to call it this, it's not really, but the Tesla of China. Uh, not really. No, but it launched the ET9 EV. 
The company also confirmed the launch of a low-priced brand called Alps. And Neo is going to well, focus- well, Neo has got a lot of Americans working there. Yep. Including some no agenda people. And uh, it seems to be a dynamite company. Yeah, from everything I see about it, it's pretty cool. So this, this ET9 is, is a high-end, supposedly uh, in co- competition with the Porsche Panorama and the Maybach Electric. I'm sorry, I have to chuckle. Yes. When I hear Maybach Electric. It's, it's a tank. So the ET9 uh, executive, it's called an executive sedan. Positioned in the same class as Mercedes-Benz Maybach. Porsche. By the way, so people have pointed out this, this, these car guys that are on YouTube all the time telling you what to buy and not what, what not to buy claim that the Porsche Pan America is such a, such a dog in the marketplace and such a nice car that it's, buying one used is one of your best bets. It's a weird-looking car. It's, 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 it looks like somebody stepped on it. That, that is a weird-looking car. I'm not going to deny it. Yep. But I looked, I looked at... Um, what was I looking at? I was looking at an interesting hybrid the other day that a friend of mine had. The, but I was also looking at, you know, thinking, oh, let's take a look at the Porsche. I don't know. I don't know. Not that exciting about it. Nothing exciting anymore. I mean, you look at a Ferrari, you know, a regular Ferrari. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's Did exciting. Get Ferrari electric. That's exciting. Do they have any hybrids? Are there any hybrids? On the, on the uh, Ferrari. Anyway, this car is going to be uh, have an estimated price of eight hundred thousand yuan, or one hundred fifty two thousand U.S. dollars. It's kind of high. Although I haven't seen what it looks like. Well, it's a it's an executive sedan. Chinese executive sedan. I don't know. Imagine trying to get around the roads there in an executive sedan. It's hard enough to get around some places in China in a on a scooter. <laughs> yeah, well. What else we got here? More buybacks, desperation or smarts. FedEx was up 2% as uh, its share price today after announcing a billion-dollar accelerated share repurchase agreement this morning. Now, what's interesting about that, they came out with earnings last week, and it was awful. Their outlook was terrible. The, 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 the stock was down, I don't know, like... Uh, I think it was down 12% on its earnings. So what's wrong with FedEx? They, 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 their earnings came in fine. Their outlook was abysmal. But why? They said that this not, shipping isn't happening. They can't do any business with anybody or they don't. Yeah, they're definitely not working with Amazon anymore. That, was, that didn't help. Last week I talked to you about what my FedEx bill was for the year. Yeah. And multiply that out. And their prices are absurd, by the way. I agree. They used Sir. to be, I think, what was it? What used to be when I was a kid? $8. Was it $8? I thought it was 12 but 8 bucks for the overnight letter? Yeah. Yeah. Now Pack them in. Now it's like $25. Yeah, or more. And by the way, I could fax something or email something. Something right. called this, this new fangled thing called DocuSign. Which yeah, which most people use nowadays. Right. What would be the purpose of, I mean, I could see FedEx for ground. Ground delivery, and maybe legal, uh, maybe legal something, maybe. But I don't really understand the whole point of, you know, utilizing the FedEx bundle for letters and things like that. 
Yeah, and if you're going to compete with DocuSign, make it four bucks. I mean, I can get on a plane full of documents to a particular town on Spirit Airlines, probably spend 50 bucks each way, $100, and bring like $5,000 worth of documents with me, I guess, and deliver them. Yeah. Just, I don't get it either. I, and I don't know. Dumb. I've been, FedEx is just a, a kind of a mystery. So it looks like that management is seeing a post-earnings pullback last week as this buying opportunity. So they're going to do an accelerated um, share. I, again, it looks very desperate. Last week they had a big, they, they had a miss in the, in, in, uh, on their EPS, but also the outlook was really bad. They, they said the conditions in the U.S. remain soft. And uh, the Q2 demand being lower than the, uh, this is always where the problem comes in. We do it a company that projects out and gives guidance on a quarter. And then by the end of the quarter, they're like, you know what? We were way off on that number. That's not a good thing. Which no, <laughs> it shows you don't even know what your, your internals are. Or it shows that things really slowed down dramatically during that period. Right? In other words, you, you think you're going to do $100,000 worth of business. Everything is going fine. But that last three weeks, it drops off a cliff. And you don't come out with a update in between. So what happens is that you look like there's something really either, like you said, you don't know what's going on in the boardroom and your financials, you don't understand, you don't have a handle on, or things got really soft. And now you start projecting, well, if they got that soft in that two week period, how much soft are they going in the next quarter? That's the read through. You know, I used to import some stuff from China. Yeah. Art. Yeah. And, uh, it always came over FedEx. It was like the shipping was dirt cheap. China had some deal going on. FedEx was over there and they were just, it wasn't DHL, wasn't these other guys who, who ship internationally. It was FedEx. Mm -hmm. And you'd order a bunch of stuff and it'd come over in a few days. Uh, cost next to nothing to ship it. They had some, there was some sweet deal going on. I don't know what, what, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the cost got to control. Some more business with China and uh, see what it, the hell's going on. Well, it's on. also what? the unions got a hold of this whole thing. That's a problem. Uh, here we go. That's a big problem. Yeah, well, it is. So it's, it's going to crush it. All right, let's talk about Elon. You know, this one uh, snuck in on Christmas. I don't know if you saw this, but Hyperloop One, remember that one? Oh, yeah. The futuristic transportation company, which is building tube-encased lines to... Take zoop, the patents zoop, owned by some guy out, out, out in Colorado that Elon can't touch, but nobody talks about that. What? What? Yeah. Say it again. There's most of the patents for this are owned by a guy in Colorado, kind of like some of the stuff that he he went to Colorado to get some of his technology for his cars, but this guy and he tried to keep doing a deal with him. It's the only reason I know this because I actually talked to the guy and oh. his agent. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, nah, there's no way he can do that because I got all the patents. He guy's like a patent freak, and uh, so this may be something of uh, of a hot air. Well, the story goes that this this exciting thing that was supposed to be built, and you could just I mean go fast from L.A. to San Francisco or wherever you're going exactly. I think it was L.A. to Los Angeles too. Is shutting down. <laughs> that may be part of it. Once it was a high-profile startup, Hyperloop One raised more than $450 million since its founding in 2014, according to PitchBook. And it built a, a small test track near Las Vegas to develop its 
transportation technology. And for an, it also took the name of Virgin Hyperloop. Yeah, One. I think somehow he got Richard Branson involved. Yeah, Richard Branson just gives money to everything. And uh, and he loves transports, right? He did a train down here, which is just a miserable failure for him. I think he put $40 million in and lost it like overnight on a high-speed rail, which is we're just not built for it down here. And um, nope, Virgin not. removed its branding after the startup decided last year to focus on cargo rather than people. He's like, hell with that. So... There you go. Hmm. So yeah, cargo. Well, the problem with people, especially with you're going to run a train from San Francisco to Los Angeles, uh, it's not uh, the the design is not amenable uh, for you to get up and take and go pee somewhere unless you. Oh. Want to. Why do you think so it's, it's well you well you pee of we we start peeing and. And Peoria, like you end up track. in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what's the design? What's the design problem? Once you get up to speed, it's like you're at speed. Yeah, but you're sitting in a. It's like you're. It's like being in a car. Oh, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. It's not like being in a train. Right, you're like or in an a, airplane. Yeah, you're like in a like in a cannonball cannon just being launched. In other Elon news, according to a study by LendingTree, Tesla drivers, this is interesting. I've heard this several times now. I've read this several times. Tesla drivers in the U.S. were involved in accidents at a higher rate than drivers of any other brand of vehicle over the past year. You know, I'm surprised that stat hasn't come out sooner. I know the way these guys drive. They don't, they don't know what they're doing, and they're driving a car that generally goes more faster than they can handle. They're not used to driving fast cars and they get into wrecks. Yep. And then they're also uh, lackadaisical about putting on the autopilot. They're driving around, yeah, da, 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 you know, and they get hit or run into a fence or who knows what. 24 accidents per 1,000 drivers during the period from mid November 2022 to mid November 2023. Tesla drivers clocked in with the worst accident rate in the U.S., followed by Ram drivers. Which, I don't have a car called the Ram. Is that what you're supposed to do with it? Dodge Ram. Yep, Dodge Ram, who were involved in about 23 accidents, which, again, this is it was splitting hairs here. And Subaru drivers that were involved in about 21 accidents per 1,000. 21 per 1,000. Now, no. the, the more impressive— the last, That last number is women drivers. Ah. Now, the more impressive uh, study result that I thought was—that uh, came from this, BMW drivers— were the most likely to engage in driving under the influence. <laughs> they were involved. Oh, in, that makes nothing but sense to me. <laughs> they were involved in about three DUIs per 1,000 a year, about twice the rate of DUIs around, uh, among Ram drivers, who obviously were getting the, the second worst driver. <laughs> um, for incidents overall, which included not only accidents, but also DUI speeding and other citations, Ram drivers had the highest incident rate. Now tell me, because I'm an idiot, why is this? Why is this? Yeah, why Ram? Versus Dodge Ram truck? Yeah, versus F Ford F one fifty versus uh you know Oh, this is obviously somebody who's tilting the survey that hates Dodge Ram. I mean, this is the way I see it because the F-150 is just as big or the, or the 450. Have you seen one of those things? But I think it's kind of, 
they're trying to make a statement about the people themselves who, I read through it, that, oh, Tesla drivers suck as drivers. BMW drivers are just, you know, drunken. Arrogant. Arrogant drunks. assholes. That's how I read through this, right? And and yeah. obviously Ram drivers are, as I read this, drunk country bumpkins that don't care about driving and just slam into stuff. That's how I see it. Okay. Well, I think you may have you may have nailed it. So, what's the point of this? I don't know. You're, you're asking me. I'm asking you. You, you know everything. To, you to know buy everything. Fords. I have, I really don't know. Hmm. I mean, I thought you knew these things. All right. Well, you know, and you do know a lot of things. And I'll tell you what else you know. You want to know what you know? You know that mean? there was something funny going on with Warner Brothers. <laughs> I got lucky on that one. You picked, didn't help the stock. I mean, I didn't make any money on the didn't game. Didn't help the stock at all, but it just shows your 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 investing prowess. Yeah, well, I can. I, I snuffed it out, or sniffed it out, or Sniff, sussed it out. That's the word. So what happened was uh, last week. For those of you that don't remember, John picked. He said, "You know, I'm seeing some unusual insider trading activity going on with Warner Brothers. This guy's buying this." But, so we put it on the game for him last week. Well, the next day, I think it was, or two days later, there's an announcement. Warner Brothers Discovery and rival Paramount Global are in early merger talks, uh, which, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO da David Zasloff and Paramount CEO Bob Bankish met Tuesday to discuss the, the potential of uh, a deal. Yeah. Which, is, which is all we know. That's all we know right now. Nothing else has happened. Meanwhile, you see these insider, this little insider action going on. This is illegal trading as far as I'm concerned. Of course. Not on my part, but on theirs. Of course. They'll get to the bottom of it. They'll find it. There's some, probably some big option plays going on, too. Yeah, that's where the action will be. Yeah. My favorite story of the week, my favorite thing that's happened is, of course, related to the government because a bunch of numbskull idiots it has to do with the, uh, do you know that program that you see on, well, you saw on TV about, hey, did you not get all your COVID money as an employer? You can get like $5,000 per employee. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, I do remember that. Well, the IRS has unveiled, unveiled a voluntary disclosure program, like uh, Operation Amnesty or something like that, to um, for businesses that claimed a pandemic era tax credit in error and want to pay the money back. So first of all, I got a few problems. Claimed it in error, and I want to give it back. I, no, that doesn't happen very often, right? No, this is an entrapment scheme. Of course. And, and it gets even better. So the IRS unveiled a special withdrawal process for companies with pending claims in September. And the new voluntary disclosure programs offers applicants the chance to repay credits at a 20% discount. Uh-huh. And the reason why they're doing 20% discount is to cover the promoter fees, the third-party promoter fees. You know, all those guys that were pushing this stuff got 20% of the take. No, oh, I see. But, well, the government gets less money and they're, com and they're covering the promoter fees. But one of the stipulations is that you have to produce all the information on everybody that uh, counseled you. On oh, they're this. going after those guys. Yep. Ah, good. So the government is giving you the benefit as a maybe a bribe. Kind of a, like a, well, it's a whistleblower uh, 
attitude. A little grease. We'll give a little something. You got to give us something. You know, you can play. You you play ball with us. We'll play ball with you. And then they got to go after. So I got you know Kevin O'Leary. You know that guy? Oh yeah. He was he was all over this. Oh, was he? Oh my God, he has a whole big company set up. It's probably all you don't see the commercials anymore. You don't hear anything about it, do you? No. It's dead in the water. You knew it was going to be dead in the water sooner or later. Well, his name, his name will come up. They love high profile, the IRS in particular, but the government at large loves high profile people. Mm-hmm. Well, he's Canadian. He he's Canadian draws though. attention to the to the problem and freaks out everybody else who's not high profile, and they all come forward. Yep. So, either way, the government is going to you know get less money back immediately. Uh, in the beginning, they'll give you know the promoters. They're covering the promoters' fees, but again, for the bribe to to nail them, I guess is what's happening. And one more point here we have. Uh, two more points, actually. Uh, one more thumbs up for global warming. China's capital, Beijing, has broken its record for hours of sub-zero temperature in December, dating back to 1951. Yeah, that's, that's what's, that is global warming. It's, uh, it is. I think, uh, I think I'm not Burr. sure we're going into a, another ice age. Well, is that going to happen again? There's plenty of people in the 70s that believe that. In fact, from about 1974, I think, to almost 1980 or to 1980, that was the, everyone was talking about global war, a global cooling and new ice age. And then all of a sudden they just stopped it, stopped it when Reagan got in and they, they decided to change the, the, Whatever they're tr- the, the bullshit they tried decided to change it to global warming and then they've been on that ever since. Wasn't that who who was that Al Gore? Al Gore had a lot to do with it. Yeah, they need to change. He well, drew attention to it for sure it, around because when he ran, uh, he was talking about global warming. There was a crossover point between about nineteen. I've, I've got, I've got most of the, I've got recordings. In fact, the best thing they uh, ever did was come up with climate change because anything could be climate change. Yeah, and climate change is a natural phenomenon. More but, wind, more. But they, uh, I think, I don't know when Gore first got onto the global warming side of it, and reversed the uh, reverse things. That was right after he, I thought, left or right when he was vice president, wasn't it? When, yeah, there was something. He, he was running for president. And the but that was 2000, the, so that was late. That wasn't 1980. Yeah, The Inconvenient Truth, the movie. Remember that whole thing? Everybody was freaking yeah. out. Oh, yeah. The, the equivalent by of, the way, that movie yeah. says that by now, the West Coast and where you live should have been should be under three feet of water. Yeah, they're a little off. A little off. A little off. Yeah, a little off. Slightly. Slightly. The West Side Highway in New York. Gone. Broken uh, off. Was, California would break off finally off the San Andreas Fault. <laughs> Done. And the West Side Highway in New York is be flooded permanently uh, as of I think 2010, something like that. Yeah, they didn't guess this very well. Didn't do a good job. Uh, as I mentioned, we have uh, the close the pin going on right now. Congratulations to all the entrants: Matthew Phillips, Anson Brady, Taylor, Taylor Rivera, Jeff Salcedo, Jen Duval, and Mike Kazmierczyk. So that's going on. Uh, we're going to end this a little bit early today, by the way. It's, it is New Year's, so there you go. Do you want to talk about any of the stock picks at all? Uh, well, we have them. All right, hang on a second. You, I gotta, you're I gotta right play. now I gotta... the leader on the leaderboard for having the uh, best picks. Well, hang on a second. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. 
Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk, along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. You were saying something about my great picks? I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, you're at the top of the leaderboard list. All your picks are, well, not all of them, a couple of them are dogs, but for the most part, you have all the good picks right now as we end the year. Nike, shoe company, you nailed oh, that. Yeah. Your, your iShares thing went up. Uh, you have a, a Toast Inc., which was a long, I thought that was a weird pick, but it's up almost uh, almost 30%. Uh, that was a good one. Shark Ninja's up almost 10%, which is one of my favorite companies, but it's your pick. And then uh, CRISPR Technologies is up quite a bit, 13%. My picks are all languishing, except for a couple of a couple of them, very few. But the only good one is Vox International, which is up 17%. Everything else, and the, of course, the one that is ending the year at the, at the top is from, God knows when this was picked, uh, the, uh, is the defense company, iShares U.S. Aerospace, which is a wise pick considering what's going on in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Good year overall. Good stuff. A lot of green. A lot of green. Should be. I think yeah, we're going to have to start rotating. Global X Uranium ETF. You got some ETFs on here that are winners. Winners. Yep, yep. Good, good timing on those. Well, we're going to end it right there. I wish you again a very happy, a healthy, a wonderful 2024. We have a great uh, show coming up next week, which is uh, a best of, which is going to be great. And uh, then we'll come back the following week and we'll start all up. And I think that by that time, we could be getting into the shorts, my friend. Maybe. We'll see. We shall see. All right. I'll see you soon. Thanks. See you then. Right, bye. bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, cause I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more buck fortune left me by chance. Now, here's a hint, I feel like a man. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care, no millionaire can give me the ice and stare, cause I got a dollar, my last dollar bill. Horowitz Company Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.